Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 91. This is your first time here. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm a full-time RVer, digital nomad that has lived and worked in all of the lower 48 states. I'm the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine, and I'm also the publisher of our newest magazine called RV Today for all RV owners. Head over to rootlessliving.com or rvtoday.com to learn more about the magazine and communities. On today's episode, I speak with John and Lauren, and in this episode, we get you a fresh perspective from a couple that is full-timing in an RV, but they did do a lot of traveling even when they owned bricks and sticks, but you won't guess how long they've owned an RV. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome John and Lauren to the show. How are you guys? We're doing great. Doing well. Awesome. Where in the world are you right now? Uh, We are just outside of uh, Moab, Arches National Park. Nice. Awesome. And what are you guys traveling in to be outside of Moab? We are uh, in a 22-foot Thor Class C um, with an 8-foot trailer and a uh, BMW 650cc. That's our local travel, so that goes on the trailer. How long have you guys been doing this? And do you guys consider yourselves full-timers, part-timers, some-timers? No wrong answer. We've been on the road for six months, and we are full-timers. So like newbies. No, I, and I actually really, I, I, I hate that term because it just makes me laugh because I just don't remember like, you know, newbie apartment owners or newbie, I guess newbie homeowners maybe, but it's just funny that, you know, we refer to it as newbies. So it looks like you guys are uh, June babies, um, which is funny. Yep. I, you know, I, when I kind of did the math when you said it, plus I think I saw it in the forum that June is a very popular month to go full time. I would say that over half left this journey in sometime in and around June, which is interesting, myself included. So let's go back to before June of 2021. Where were you guys living? Um, and where did the idea to get in an RV and travel the country come from? Uh, so we were, we left from Milwaukee. Um, so Lauren and I, we lived in Chicago for about three years, moved to Milwaukee in October, kind of knowing that we were going to do this. It was during, of course, the pandemic year last year, um, but ultimately bought the RV in December and left in June. But going even further back than that, you know, I was, I was fortunate to grow up camping. Um, my parents had a camper. We went around all the time. And then Lauren and I, uh, the, the seed was planted with us with our first trip. When we started dating, we went to Iceland. We rented a, uh, basically just a cargo van that was outfitted. We drove around the entire country. There was no bathroom. There was no stove. There was a small little fridge that you had to basically just fill with ice. Um, so that kind of started it with us. And, you know, you fast forward to today and everything that's happened the last few years, and Lauren can kind of talk more to that. It's kind of what brought us here. The pandemic was really what kind of brought it all together. Now, where were you guys living as, as far as like a home? Were you guys a condo, apartment, house? Let's talk a little bit about the downsides too and just what that experience was like for you guys. Yeah, so we went from Chicago where we were in a two-bedroom apartment. Um, and then when we moved up to Milwaukee, we actually expanded to a three-bedroom and we're filling the rooms and everything. And then uh, we got this idea and quickly had to downsize. So we did a couple different yard sales in Milwaukee. Estate sales, as Estate we call Estate sales, because they were literally everything we owned. People we were, were very confused when they rolled in as to what we were doing. They thought they were coming into a true on estate sale, not a couple 30-somethings uh, downsizing to an RV. Yeah, every, everything we uh, own, we pretty much sold or is inside of our RV. So, um, Yeah. I, whenever I showed up to the, like, where someone's selling everything sales, I always felt like, oh, these people are on vacation and someone just opened up their house and is selling everything. 
That's <laughs> how I always felt. <laughs> it's interesting going through that process of selling your things because you, you know, they're your things and people want to give you a lower amount for a lot of different things. And then eventually by the end of the weekend, you're just like, take it. It's take free. It. There's, you no, know? there's no way it will fit in it's our RV. It's not going to fit in the RV. You so just take it. four crock pots. It's impossible. <laughs> I think the hardest thing for me was learning that I had something like 30 coffee mugs. Like I was like, yeah. well, I don't think I've ever had two people over for coffee, but yet I had enough. You know, if, if, if church got canceled, we could all go to my house for some reason. Um, oh, yeah. Lauren and I, our, our comparable to that was uh, basically pint glasses for beer. We both oh, nice. we met in the beer industry. So we had we had to have had hundreds of different yeah. pint glasses from craft breweries all over the country. And those were hard. Those were hard to give up selling them for 25 cents a piece at our yard sale. It's like we had accumulated those over 15 years of our career. I bet. Yeah, those are the things that do. Like they, they probably do sting a little to have to get rid of because there is some good memory behind it. And that's the, that's the hard part with stuff. It's, you know, stuff you need and stuff that you can hold and it has a memory to it. That's where a lot of people just can't get rid of things because they start deciding that everything has a, a meaning to it. I think you slowly, you know, in the beginning, you think you need all these different things too. And, you know, obviously we're newbies, we're only six months in, but we've slowly already realized these things that we kept that I'm like, I'm never going to wear that. I'm never going to use that. And then we've acquired, you know, different things that we love, like our solo stove and different things like that we never had prior. So it's funny how the transition happens and you start looking at things differently, I guess. Or even, yeah, just the, we struggled selling things, as you said, some of those personal items or, you know, we had just gotten married the year before. So we had a wedding registry, assuming we were living in a house, we got all these amazing gifts. And of course we can't have them anymore. But as we actually started selling things that almost became liberating, it's oh, like yeah. we're getting rid of more and more and knowing, especially knowing we were moving into an RV um, at the end of the day. Yeah. It was tough to get rid of some things, but of course we couldn't have them. And, um, you know, I think we're happier off with, with less things, and, yeah. you know, especially with this lifestyle. I think that's sure. the, the biggest takeaway from this lifestyle, whether, you know, again, you guys have only been at it for six months. Well, I mean, I'll give you a little bit extra time than that. Cause obviously buying the RV in December and really kind of planning through it. Um, yep. you guys have been doing it for a while, at least in the mindset, but it is one of those things that really does change you. And, it's the one thing I come back to, and maybe it's kind of too repetitive for the listeners, is this is something I wish I would have, and I'll speak for you guys, like early on in my age, just because I think I would have learned that I didn't need the three-bedroom. I didn't need all this stuff. You know, I could have kept things a little bit light and easier, even if I was living in a home or an apartment. And um, it, it's kind of funny that it takes this lifestyle to really, you know, open our eyes to it. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't consider us minimalistic because we're just not. But I, I always say that we're more simplistic. Like we're just more simple on the things that we want and we need. And whether it's clothing, like I've kind of changed my mindset. I invest in nicer clothes. I only have a few things that I really like. I wear them all the time versus having just tons and tons of closets worth of things I, don't, I never wear. So my mindset has definitely shifted a lot in that way or yeah just the impulse buying that a lot of us do when you're living you know in a home or apartment you're on amazon oh yeah i'll take this i'll get it tomorrow it'll be great you know we don't do that anymore not to mention very rarely can we actually receive an amazon package (laughs) wherever we're at yeah and of course i've got uh, the joke was when we had first moved into the RV, uh, anytime Lauren wanted to buy anything, my first question was to her was, how much does it weigh? How much does it weigh? Because we need to be very aware of what we're weighing down in our RV. It's just that different mentality of of how to successfully live. 
Which is funny because I almost wonder, you know, like, should we have been having those conversations when we lived like in a 10 story apartment building that was made in the 50s? Like, should we been talking <laughs> about weight at all? Or we just were like, nah, it's good. But I do think it yeah. is funny that most people don't realize that that's it's not just space. It's space, weight and probably time are the ones that like, how long is this going to take me to take out and set up? Is it even really worth it? becomes an issue too in a way that it just never before um how's it been being in tight quarters for you guys i mean obviously coming from a three bedroom to i don't know you said 22 feet long it's say maybe 160 square foot kind of area maybe even less how's that been uh i think we're 220 square feet but you <laughs> might be right I, I, either way it's small uh yeah, yeah that we, we get that question constantly of you know how do you do it you know you're living in a quote unquote pressure cooker uh well, first and foremost, when we moved into the RV, the plan is never to be in the RV all day. Uh, right. We do work full time. You know, we're fortunate to have remote jobs where we just need internet. Uh, but we always set up an outdoor space. We're always very mindful of each other. Of course, there are times we're falling on top of each other. It's a small quarters, especially with two dogs. Uh, but ultimately, we make it work. And, you know, the, the biggest part of it is, you know, even right now, we're just sitting outside of arches. We're sitting outside. You know, we don't besides sleeping, cooking food, which a lot of times we do outside as well, we don't spend a whole ton of time within the RV. So it's, we don't consider it, you know, 160 square feet or 200 square feet. Like right now we're sitting in square miles of land. We can, we can go for a walk. We can do what we want. Um, so we don't consider ourselves confined to that, to that small space. Like a lot of people think, especially those that don't live this lifestyle. Um, yeah, you're, the whole point is not to be sitting in the RV all day. Yeah, it really does become, you know, a hotel on wheels in a way. And I think people forget like how little time they spend in a hotel when they're actually at the hotel. They're usually using that as a place to sleep and get ready, but then they're out doing things. Um, and it, it, for some reason, that mentality doesn't switch over for people when you're thinking about the RV. I will say four years later, I spend quite a bit of time in my RV just because I'm working a lot. Um, but my outdoor is just different all the time, which is nice. You guys are currently, I'm going to make an assumption, boondocking right now. Is that how you guys have been traveling mostly boondocking? Or are you guys going to campgrounds? What's your kind of, your shtick? Um, yeah, so we, we're more boondocker people. We, we prefer the atmosphere. I mean, we were just at a KOA yesterday for the first time. Um, that was our first experience at a KOA. And I, I think it was one of our first experiences having full hookups. So that was kind of a, a treat in a way just to have um, all those amenities right there, you know, taking a shower and not worrying about the amount of gallons you're filling up and all that good stuff. But I will say I just personally, and I think for speak for both of us, we just enjoy the atmosphere of boondocking state parks. Um, they're just more alley. We meet a lot of people that are kind of doing the similar thing as us. And we're always in a beautiful place where campgrounds sometimes can be a little crowded and, yeah. Yeah, they can be inexpensive. Really yeah, both. <laughs> Which is so funny. The the experience isn't there in a lot of them, and then it's really expensive. Which is kind of funny. We're doing one of our first, uh, probably our longest stay. We'll be in the same campground for all of October and November. Um, and it is interesting to be in one spot for so long that it, you start to itch again. Where it's like, okay, you yeah. know, when are we leaving? Because <laughs> you know, yep. I like yep. that part of the lifestyle. Um, well, that's interesting that you guys haven't done a lot of campgrounds. N normally, I find when I talk to people with Class Cs, especially a toad, that th they're they're probably a little bit more 50-50. And, you know, and again, there's no right or wrong way to do it. 
in any way, shape or form. So it is interesting to hear that you guys spend most of your time, you know, like boondocking or uh, state parks. Yeah. And that was, I mean, kind of part of our plan when we did this, we knew, you know, going full time, if you're spending 30, 40, 50 or more dollars a night, all of a sudden the finances just go completely upside down. Uh, so we made the, the early upgrades to our RV. You know, I, I did solar panels, installed those, uh, an inverter. I did have, have lithium ion batteries. Unfortunately, those didn't last too long. So it's still a work in progress, but we did make those upgrades to, to do exactly what we wanted to be able to just kind of live off the land for four or five days at a time until basically we run out of water or fill up a tank. Um, and then just move on to the next place because yeah, if we did, yeah, if you extrapolate that along the year, that's living full time. That gets yeah, way too expensive to do it. Unless yeah. you're a retiree with, uh, just no, no bounds. Yeah. Right. Do you guys, uh, do boondockers welcome harvest hosts, uh, thousand trails, anything like that? Yeah. So boondockers welcome, um, harvest hosts. We love harvest hosts. That's been a big one for us. Um, my husband and I met in the beer industry, so we love just harvest hosts in general because we love stopping at breweries and wineries and we definitely enjoy. I think that's the one thing that we miss is like the social interaction. Um, so harvest hosts is a nice kind of mix. So you're meeting other people, you're, you know, patronizing the bar or the farm or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, we really enjoy those. What are other ones? Campendium. Of course we use the dirt. Um, I overlander. Yeah. I was really, I was kind of surprised with, I think in 2020 with thousand trails and boondockers welcome and harvest hosts, we stayed in campgrounds or at least with full hookups. I mean, I would say the majority of the year. And I think our whole budget for the year was like 900 bucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, you just, they have programs where it's like two weeks on one week off out of a thousand trails. And then you just, during the one week off, you either boondock or you go to boondockers welcome, you go to a harvest host and you've already have the membership right. fees there. And you just kind of, you know, continue to loop that. And so there are really kind of fun, interesting ways to, and that's what I love about this lifestyle. My mortgage budget was my mortgage budget. There wasn't much I could do to change that. But in this lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. hey, we just boondock more and we're changing, you know, a portion of our mortgage differently than you could in sticks and bricks, which I like. Absolutely. And then, you know, occasional Walmart. <laughs> yeah. that one in. I've you only avoid the Walmart. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it's different for you guys. I've only done the Walmart once. And what we realize is Nikki, my roommate, and I say this in all respects, she has two cats. I do not. She does. But with cats, you have to open the slides. Otherwise, they can get, you know, back and behind the slides. So I, I just didn't want to be the Walmarter that's opening all my slides. And, you know, and it just, it's too much. So I was like, nah, I'll just stick to Boondockers Welcome or Harvest Host. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's, it's honestly a much better experience. I mean, we did Walmart once in the UP of Michigan, and it was actually a very pretty location, but. It was, uh, I didn't sleep very well, you yeah. know? Yeah, even even though they said it was okay, we were still a little worried about that, you know, the dreaded knock on the door. But right. yeah, the nice thing was we woke up, they had a McDonald's in the Walmart, so we got breakfast, we got our groceries, <laughs> we got everything we needed, and then we rolled away. See, I just, I go back to me as like a teenager. If I rolled into a Walmart at like one in the morning and I saw someone's RV, I'd be like, hey guys, come on, let's go have some fun. <laughs> and so that's where I think my mentality is more at. So now you installed a new fear in my head. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's all kinds. <laughs> yeah. I think it actually made me a really great parent was just being such a terrible kid that I was able to like, <laughs> like reverse engineer, like what my kids could do kind of a thing. Um, yep. So it sounds like you guys got travel 
down pack and you guys are doing great. What are you guys doing for work? I know you hinted a little with remote jobs. What do you guys do for work on the road? Yeah, so I actually work for a tech company. Um, We sell technology to campgrounds. So I'm actually working right within the outdoor hospitality space. So, um, you know, we're pretty much enabling people to book online. So as a camper, as you know, as you've seen, you go to a campgrounds website and it's very old school. They're about five years behind the hotel industry. Um, so we help them kind of streamline that and manage all of the technology side to that. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm also in tech, a difference. So as we mentioned, we were both in the beer industry a long time, which required us to be living in, you know, whatever market that we were servicing. Um, see, I moved over to tech as well, but I'm still within the alcohol space. So my, my technology, I work for pro V they, uh, provide technology to restaurants and bars. So I'm basically for both of us, we just need solid internet on a daily basis to do zoom calls and, and things like that. But, you know, fortunately for, again, both of us, our companies have been very supportive, obviously with Lauren, it's, you know, it makes sense. She's living the, living the life of her industry, um, but as I'm seeing too, there's a lot more companies that are you know, more willing to, to work with people that are remote and there's no reason they shouldn't. As long as we have communication and we can do our jobs, that's the most important thing. Uh, you know, it works out. Yep. Yeah. Were your guys' jobs remote before you left? No. So I, well, yes, yeah, so we were remote. Um, I actually lost my job during the pandemic. Oh gosh, now it's what, two years ago. Um, so that's kind of where we kind of started reevaluating. I was working in the beer industry and we were just kind of reevaluating what we wanted to do in the future. And that kind of forced me to look at my career and what I wanted to do and looking at this RV lifestyle. So we were able to, we actually bought the RV before we had these remote jobs and we were just, you know, headstrong that we were going to find remote jobs. And luckily we, it all worked out, but we were a little crazy for a second there, but it, all the cards uh, fell in place. Yeah, I do wish that, you know, even I had a remote job when I left. Um, I was a little hesitant to say that I was going to go live in an RV and travel, but the plan was only do it for about a year. I literally told them before they hired me that I wanted to move to Texas. And as a remote employee, they didn't care. But there was something about the RVing, even though I was always connected, I still worked my nine to five, which made no sense as a commission salesperson, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it still became, we get that. yeah, and it still became an issue. And it's so weird now too, as I talk to remote nomads specifically as above and beyond remote, I I'm starting to get the gist. And I even see it in my own company that the remote employee that's a nomad is actually a better remote employee is really kind of just how I see it. And I'll argue it all day long with anyone that's hiring people that are remote um, just because it, they don't have a lot of the distractions outside that then obviously interfere with the remote work, which is interesting to me. And I don't know if you guys have noticed that if you had remote experience before compared to now, do you see yourself as a, a better or worse em- employee? And I doubt your employer is listening, so you can be honest, but <laughs> where do you guys rank yourselves? Honestly, I I think personally, I value my time so much more now because we're in these amazing places. So like I'm and we're in sales. So, you know, we're kind of in the mentality of, you know, you, you get your shit done, you put the numbers on the board, you sell, you make your money, you, you hit your quotas, then that's kind of how it works. But for me, it's like, I really value my time more where 
if I'm in Moab and I'm working, you know, maybe nine to five or whatever it may be that I really want to be able to go and explore these places that we are, you know, traveling to. Not that we do that every night because we would be super burnt out, but, you know, just work-life balance has become really apparent. And I feel like I work even harder so that I can continue to live this lifestyle that we've chosen. Yeah. And, yeah, I, th- and I think agree. people get into this like hype of, you know, that there's all these job openings because nobody, you know, wants to work, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, just, I don't think nobody wants to work the jobs where there, there's just not the life work balance and that they're just not appreciated. I don't think it really has anything to do with anything but that. Cause I've seen so many people that are just flipping to industries that let's say have nothing to do with their school, nothing to do with their degree, nothing they've done for 15 years. And they're just flipping to something that allows them to either one, go remote at home or go remote on the road. And it's because of that, you know, I I feel like 100% your life work balance is completely different. Like you really do appreciate the the adventuring, I would say, Um, which I guess we can kind of, you know, transition into Um, for me. And then I want to hear from you guys. Even though I lived in Southern California, I mean, my entire adult life before leaving on this trip. I didn't do nearly kind of the, the hikes, the kayaking, the bike riding, the things of that nature um, that I did in, you know, Southern California, which is why everyone moves there is supposedly to be able to, you know, do those things. Um, but in this lifestyle, I've done way more in the last four years than I did in 40 years living in Southern California. How has that been for you guys outside of obviously you're living in probably a lot better kind of climate a lot of the time now too? Oh yeah. I mean, we're, yeah, we do a lot of things now. I mean, Lauren, she did four wheeling is like her favorite thing now. Stand up paddle boarding. You look at our dog. We have two dogs, a cocker spaniel and a puggle. All of a sudden, they're outdoor dogs. They are cocker spaniel. Love swimming, jumping in rivers, which is obviously frightening for us at times. Uh, but yeah, it's really it's kind of takes us out of the box of of what we are doing. And as Lauren kind of mentioned earlier, even our buying habits have changed now. Instead of you know, buying whatever that we would have bought in an apartment. Now we're buying a stand-up paddle board. We're, you know, investing into a, a nicer motorcycle, knowing that we're, you know, going to be using that as our local travel. But, I mean, for me personally, I think the biggest thing for us outside of the outdoors is it's it's popped our bubble. I mean, you, you think of whether you're living in Southern California or us in, in Chicago and then Milwaukee, we all live in these bubbles of, you know, the people we know, the communities we live in, our social media and those bubbles. A lot of those people share the same views that we have. And that was kind of the eye opening moment for me when we started traveling was you get out of, you know, a Chicago or a Milwaukee or a Los Angeles and you start talking to people outside of those regions and how differently they live and how differently they think and just how differently their lifestyle, how, di- how different their lifestyle is than you know, people like us, you know, it, it completely burst that bubble for us, which has been the most enjoyable thing for me to, you know, just kind of see how other people live and, and get those experiences and actually sit at a bar and talk to someone from South Dakota and how they've lived their lives and how they value their lives and their culture. It's, uh, that's been the, by far the best experience for me and only being six months in, I look forward to even more of that. 
Well, I can say that something to do with you not being from California. Like I, when I sit down with people, I don't tell them I'm from California anymore. And that wasn't the case <laughs> in like to even 2017, 18, even 19, that wasn't an issue. But just in the last couple of years, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm from South Dakota. And they're like, what part? I'm like, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, <laughs> I was there three days, we're, but let's just move We're on. residents of South Dakota yes. too. There you go. Yeah. No, I, we're from Spearfish, South Dakota. Yeah. There you go. We're Sioux Falls. And I, I mean, sometimes when people, they see the plates and they're like, Hey, what part? of south dakota and i'll say los angeles and they're like wait there's a los angeles there and i'm like no i'm a nomad but um i I think it's i think a lot of that has to do with you though john because i will say that um i think people are a little hesitant of people that are living this lifestyle i think you're being open to others is really great i definitely had some of the bubble pop and kind of my ideas of what the south was like or the midwest was like based on whether it's movies television or what you're taught in school and you find out it's all bullshit and you're just like 100 percent. yeah why are they lying to us why are, it's like they're trying to keep us in california or if you live in the south they're trying to keep you in the south because what they say about the north and vice versa and i mean the united states and americans and i really do refer to it as the united states all 50 of them and everyone that's here man there's so many amazing just salt of the earth type people that are just great to sit down and and just hear how much different their life is doesn't make it better doesn't make it worse just different and it's been great yeah, absolutely. And you think, you know, you, everyone always talks about all these flyover states. Oh, you never visit, you, you know, Utah or, you know, you're just flying over. It's like, yeah. And, and we see contra- we see probably 30 contrail lines right over our head right now. A lot of planes flying over. But, yeah, you might not have a huge airport to go visit. But these are places that people need to go visit. That You know, open your mind a little bit. And, again, pop pop your bubble a little bit. Get out of, get out of your comfort zone. And that's how we all become better human beings is – you know, talking to others and appreciating their experiences and why they think the way they do. Um, so yeah, again, that's, that's been my best part. Yeah. And I, you know, I go back to, cause I think a lot of people within the term rootless, they think that you can't own property or own a home and absolutely you can. It's just a kind of a, almost a, like a, a weird way of saying you're unstuck. But I, as much as I see people jumping into this lifestyle, I, I I really feel like we're going to see people that are just moving out of what I refer to the 80%. I believe that 80% of America lives on 20% of the land here in the United States. And I think they're going to move to that 80% where there aren't people because all you like, whether it's you're in an RV or you're in a nice little cabin on a hundred acres, it's just about the internet. And at that point yeah. you might as well just get out. And then, yeah, if you have to take a long trip to the airport to go visit family and friends, so be it. I think you'll start seeing a big shift in that lifestyle as well too, where people are going to start moving out of these cities. Yeah. And I mean, tiny homes are massive right now. I mean, that whole industry is just booming and obviously the pandemic changed a lot of people's mindset. They had to travel kind of within, within the States, within their area and discover new areas. And that's been the, I think, as John said, coolest thing for us is like, you know, South Dakota as an example, it's a place that was never necessarily on my bucket list, but now has quickly become one of the Black Hills has become one of my favorite places. So it's been kind of, I'm grateful that I've been forced to kind of travel within the U S like anytime I had, you know, PTO, I was be traveling to Europe or somewhere else. And it's, it's really neat to just, you know, explore our own backyard. So I think too, with, I mean, we're in our thirties, you look at a lot of people, our age bracket, younger, I, you know, I'm generalizing, but I feel like most of us are a lot more conscious of the environment and climate change. And, you know, 
our country's beautiful. What, you know, why, why we go to Europe, you know, and of course Europe's a beautiful place too, and it's worth visiting, but there are a lot of places here, or, you know, you go north of the border into Canada or down into Mexico. There's so many great places we can, we can visit here without having such a, you know, high impact on, you know, carbon and things like that, taking flights. So I think, yeah, whether it's tiny houses, living remotely, getting out of cities, I think it's going to continue getting bigger, especially with people, that are our age and younger that are, you know, going to want to be in that sort of lifestyle. I think too, it's funny that I don't think people realize that social media had the effect that it does that I think, you know, before social media, you're real kind of where people could look at you and decide success or not was your home, your car, what you wore. And then I think quickly we learned in social media that it's easy for all of us to fake that we could order something on Amazon. Oh, we sure. could put it on our wrist. We could take a picture of it and we could return it the next day. And so then I think what people just on the inside start realizing that this other stuff, the actual tangible, the big house, the big car, all that stuff was fake too. Why am I doing that? And it's almost like they've had this epiphany where it's like, I just want to stop faking. I just want to live the life that I want and not care what other people. And it's weird that I think social media is actually starting to eclipse that way where before it was impressing. Now it's like, I'm over trying to impress. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too time consuming. Yeah. And with like our Instagram and Facebook, like when we blog all of our things, like I try and I should do better at it, but I really try to also show the real parts, not just show all the amazing, beautiful pictures because it's so easy to show. I mean, he takes all these amazing drone shots and it's so easy to show all that. But we also like to show, you know, like I was at the laundromat today for four hours, just doing 10 loads of laundry, you know, like that's just part of the the, you know, the nitty gritty things of the RV lifestyle. I think people think on the outside, it's, it's so amazing and it is, but there's also just like everyday life, owning a house. There's some downsides to that too. So some people have to mow their lawns. We have to fix leaks or a battery that goes down or the generator stops working, whatever it might be. There's always something for us to be working on. I mean, even before this call, we were having issues with internet. We thought it was great. All of a sudden it went down. I'm literally climbing on the roof of our RV with our WeBoost trying to increase our signal. We won't talk about how I ripped off our awning a couple weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's that. There's the uh, daily mistakes. Lauren Lauren has become uh, a lot of our driver. We hate loading the motorcycle onto the RV. So unless we're doing a lot of miles, we won't load it onto the uh, trailer. But yeah, the last few weeks she's accidentally ripped off our awning a few of our hubcaps have gone missing it's like those things happen and it's like we laugh about it it's frustrating when the awning came off it was frustrating but it's all right well if it wasn't the awning if we had a home maybe it would have been uh you know whatever right (laughs) it could have been anything the dryer goes down or i mean i'd love to have a washer dryer at this point but yeah it's just it's just different you know, it's funny, the, the washer-dryer conversation comes up a lot. We didn't. We have plenty of space for a washer-dryer. We didn't do it. Um, and only because it's funny that my last Bricks and Sticks, they had a, a stackable washer-dryer on you know the top floor. It was like four level, oh, three-level home. And, you know, there was me and the kids. It just We ended up going to the laundromat anyways. It was so much easier. And you knocked it out all in like 90 minutes and you were done. Where I noticed yep. at home, it was like an all-day project. It was constantly going on. There was always someone saying, hey, can you watch this now? Where we just got it to the point, no, it's just Saturdays. And we do that here. We, You know, you basically get to the point where you run out of clothes. 
And then you do go to the laundromat, and it's usually good internet. It's interesting people, that's for sure, yep. if you like people <laughs> oh, watching. Yeah. yeah, and it's just it's just part of the lifestyle that I tell people all the time, you know what, because you're really concerned about weight, I wouldn't carry a washer and dryer. I would just yeah. wait, wait till you get to the campground or go into town and do the laundromat, and you'll meet some really some great characters kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. no doubt about it. And I can't, I can't even tell you the amount of times when we lived in an apartment that you end up leaving the wash and the washer too long, right. and then you're having to rerun it. It's like, yeah, <laughs> now we go to the... We did it today. We how many loads did we do today? Eight, ten. nine, ten. There you go. So we go in. We take the. <laughs> but luckily, there was no one at the laundromat today, so it wasn't a big deal. But we, when we walk in, we're taking over at least at least ten washing well, and then, machines, and then we're done. And then, then while they're in later. the washer, I'm doing a conference call, and then I, you know, have a little right. break, and I switch to the dryer, and that's just part of the day. This is what it is. <laughs> and it's actually, I think, I mean, again, you're looking at you know, the ability to get things done that you would get home in a remote work, you would do laundry at home. You're obviously doing it there um, and knocking it out just all at once. I think there's something to that where, you know, when you have these kind of chores that you have to do every single day or stay on top of it because you have these conveniences, it actually ends up taking a lot more of your time. I think mathematically, if you really worked it in, you realize that eight separate loads over eight, you know, five days would take a lot more time. Then, you know, yeah. it's just interesting. You, I, I'm telling you, you start to really look at time, you know, like you brought yeah. up, John, you know, gardening. I'm like, I, that it was so time consuming. I spent so much time mowing a front yard that I never sat in. <laughs> yep. So we talked a little bit about the awning. I think this is a good transition to what we do as a, <laughs> a, a high low. We'll go into the low, but the low can't be things like that can happen in bricks and sticks or it can't be internet, flat tire, COVID related but what has been a low in the six months that maybe you just didn't realize would, would hit you guys in this lifestyle if you've had a low already? Um, I think for me, it's you start to become like lonely in a weird way, even though you're meeting new people constantly and you're, you know, I'm with my husband all the time who I love, but I think you just, you know, you start to miss just the, um, the natural weekend get togethers and we lived in Chicago, seeing our friends, grabbing a happy hour beer, like that sort of thing that just becomes kind of, um, it just kind of hits you after a few months. Cause the first few months you're really in it, you're excited and you're at the grand Tetons and you're in Yellowstone and you're on all these amazing places. And then you're just like on a regular Friday night in a regular place, just sitting at the bar with your husband, having a beer. And not that that's not great, but like you start to miss your friends and your family and just like the, the naturalness of that. So for me, that's been kind of the, uh, the realization of just having to um, get used to that. Yeah, I would, I would actually a hundred percent agree with her on that. It's, you know, we, we do our best to be social and make friends, although we do boondock quite a bit, like fortunately for tonight, for tonight, like when we get off this call, there's about six campers around us. We might wander <laughs> around, say hello, see if anyone wants to chat. But yeah. Not being able to, you know, regularly see our friends and family. And especially as we're, you know, getting out of COVID, I feel like these, we used to do FaceTime happy hours and things like that. And, and people are kind of getting out of that. They're going back to bars. So it's mm. like when we, when we text our friends or family, Hey, let's have some drinks tonight and get on FaceTime. They're not as interested as they might've been a year ago. Um, so yeah, that's been a, been a big challenge for us. And then I guess the, a small B for me would be just gas costs. Of we knew they would go up. Um, but still just kind of stomaching those bills on a, <laughs> every time we fill the tank or having to run the credit card a few times because it only uh, will we'll, uh, authorize for $150 or whatever it is. 
It's like, that's also been kind of a struggle, but, um, well, I wouldn't say struggle an inconvenience for us, uh, but also something we expected. So not a super low, low by any means. Yeah. And I think the hardest part is that, you know, I've been following gas since I was 16. So, you know, almost 35 years and you just see these high lows and they're just so frustrating, especially when you've done the math and you know, these are billion dollar companies if they sold it for a buck a gallon. And it's like, (laughs) I just can't believe we're just, we're just trying to, you know, create $84 million in stock options for a CEO by we paying $3 a gallon for something that we all need. You know, it's not even a luxury. Like I, I, I care less like how much money Elon Musk makes making rockets and Teslas because nobody needs those things. Steve Jobs, you know, with iPhones and computers, I really, I was like, you don't need those things, but we all need gas and eggs and milk. Stop making that so expensive. That's not where we should all be getting, you know, billionaires from. It's, yeah, I I feel your pain. I really do. But I'll tell you, you know, it's going to come down. It always goes up, gets this little peak, comes down, and then we're all like, hey, can you believe it's only three twenty-five a gallon? This is amazing. We (laughs) all get excited. Yeah. So, especially coming out of a pandemic, it's always, it's always. And that's not to say, too, I mean, we're we're extremely fortunate. Yeah, $4, it's currently $4 a gallon here. We can afford it. Um, But even the last few days, we've seen people that are stranded because they do not have gas in their vehicles and they have no money. And we look at what's gone on the last year and a half. There are a lot of people out of work, a lot of people struggling. And that's another thing Lauren and I regularly talk about, you know, even when we're pissed off at each other or we're having a terrible day or the day the awning got ripped off, you know, we always make a point to look at each other and say how fortunate we are. And, you know, we're just very fortunate to be able to do this and to have companies that, you know, we still get paid on a weekly basis. We're performing, have companies that support us. Um, as crazy or wild as this lifestyle might be to, you know, specifically people that aren't in it, um, you know, we're fortunate, yeah. extremely fortunate. I think too, like, I mean, if you have a thousand dollars readily available, like if someone kidnapped Lauren and said, you got to give me a thousand dollars, you're in like the top, you know, 90% of the people in the United States can't do that, which is astonishing to me. Like when you find out that like most people, 60% of American families, Families couldn't handle a $500 uptick in a bill, you know, where they had to like actually use cash. And that's been going on, you know, even when things are great and when things are low as it's so weird to me. So yeah, you are, I mean, you are spot on by just talking about the fact that, you know, the life we get to have, even with the highs and lows, and I definitely went into the highs, it's still an amazing life. And we really do, we should be grateful as we do get really angry when we're pumping $150 worth of gas in the car. <laughs> and when you got eight miles to the gallon, you know oh, how it goes. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, it's, yeah, I, I feel it. I feel it all the way. I, but I, I actually remember, I want to say it was like, Oh, it was like 2007 ish. I remember the first time I put in over a hundred dollars in my excursion. I had a big gas guzzler. And I remember thinking I bought a bike for a hundred dollars, like a really nice bike, like not too long before that for one of my kids. And I was like, my parents were putting like $10 of, you know, gas in the car and the bike was $50. I can't believe that this is where we've come or it's that much more, which is interesting, but whatever. yeah, it's yeah, wild. It yeah. really is. So let's go, let's go to a high. Let's, I like ending with a high, you know, in this lifestyle, what has been those, I can't believe this is our life kind of moments. Mm. <sighs> Trying to think of what my highest was. 
I think uh, being in the Grand Tetons was for me, it was a bucket list place and um, we were boondocking in uh, Teton Bridger National Forest and we were just, you know, going up this trail and I really didn't think the RV was going to make it. And we had the trailer behind with the motorcycle and I'm just, and I'm driving and he's on the motorcycle and I'm just thinking to myself, I don't know how the hell we're going to get down off this mountain. And then somehow we get there and we pull in and it's a pull around and it was completely fine. I just parked the RV and I just got out and I just looked at the Grand Tetons for the first time and I'm getting emotional even talking about it. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's stuff like that, absolutely. And, you know, as I talked about before, you know, just the amount of people we've met with different viewpoints. But, I mean, just being able to to go where we want and, you know, being right now sitting outside of Arches National Parks, you know, talking with you and doing things that, you know, a lot of people, maybe they don't have the – maybe they don't have the confidence to do it, or maybe they just don't think they can do it. And, but the fact is you can do it. Like we, we went through this process and, you know, if you'd asked us two years ago, or, Hey, are you going to be living in an RV in two years? We'd you know, ask it, what are you smoking? Give me, right. and, you know, give me some of it because that's crazy. <laughs> but you know, it's being able to just visit these places and that we would have never otherwise come to these, you know, quote unquote flyover States. It's right. been by far the high. And I, look forward we've committed to at least two years doing this i think we'll do it far beyond that at least our the conversations we've had recently um i look forward to more of that just uh you know being able to see all these different places and you know yesterday we felt like we were on mars we were at goblin state park in utah it's like you see i never even heard of this state park i found it on google next day we're going to it and it's like it was an experience we'll never forget just going to it going to a place like that and experiencing the beauty of you know, especially the United States, just how much beauty is in this country. And I'll, I'll add, um, I think another really cool thing for us has been inspiring others to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my good friends, Jay, he just sold everything and is moving to an RV and he actually leaves next week. And he was pretty much like inspired by us and what we were doing. And our little slogan is make some day today. So it's been cool to um, just kind of inspire others that like you can do it. We did it. It was crazy we didn't know what the hell we were doing we bought an rv that we barely even knew how to drive down the road and here we are you know only six months in but many years to come so that's been really inspiring too i bet and i think if you take away anything from the conversation today the two things i like is the reminder that you don't have to go to europe to experience amazing places because i think it's something I, yeah. you know, i've been just in telling people it's not that you can't go to europe but it just doesn't have to be the first big trip of your life. And then two is, I mean, Lauren, you got emotional about an experience folks. If you have not got emotional about experience in a while, like just take inventory of that, because I think that's the, I think the thing of this lifestyle is that how much experiences, you know, really matter more than things. And, you know, I mean, I can't even really remember the last time I got really emotional about a thing. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't. Yeah. Maybe a kid, maybe the Atari. Is it my dating myself like that? Maybe I got like. Honestly, when you said that, I thought Sega. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It just depends I on the cried, age group. I yeah. cried like a baby when I got a Sega Genesis yeah, I, in 1994 or whatever year that was. It might have been, that might have been it for sure. You know, speaking of inspiring people, where can people find you? And again, folks, remember, I'll write this all down in the show notes so you don't have to try to write it down. You just go into the show notes. You can click, and it'll take you right to anywhere you guys share where people can find you guys and uh, connect with you and get to know you. Yeah, we're on Instagram and Facebook. It's wander.onwheels. 
Nice. Awesome. Well, John and Lauren, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show and talking to me and sharing your story. And, you know, definitely with uh, the group that I'll refer to as the under one year, the newbies, I definitely would love to come back at some point, maybe like in a year, put a little tickler, see where you guys are at. But my one piece of advice for you guys, I love that you guys have a time frame. The only thing I would suggest, and you guys have probably thought about this, for some reason there's, there's this like it's all or nothing. And I think the hybrid, the ability to have this vehicle that you can get out in, you know, a 30 minutes or less and get out on the road, even if you have a place, it's not in storage, it's not far away. That I think is such an amazing life that I'm excited about experiencing, you know, in the next year or so that I I can have a home base, but then, man, I could be wheels up in 30 minutes if I need to and hit the road. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, if we, if we do circle back in a year, which I hope we do, A, we might be in a slightly larger RV. Maybe not. Yeah. That's something we've looked at too. You know, we've, we've been in so many different places again, like South Dakota, North Dakota, who would have ever thought that you'd want to buy property there. Maybe put on a little tiny home, but yeah, maybe in a year or whatever it might be, I would love to have a home base that exactly what you said, maybe just a little piece of property that we can roll into if we need to. And you know, maybe rent it out, whatever the case is, but we're loving this lifestyle and I don't see an end. I don't see an end either. And obviously if, uh, when kids come into the picture, we'll, we'll have to evaluate and, you know, figure out what the best path forward with that is. But yeah, we don't see, we don't really see an end in the future. So love it. That's awesome. Well, yeah. again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks Damian. for having us. Yeah, it was great. Great talking with you. Well, another good episode. A big thank you to John and Lauren for coming on the show and sharing their story. Uh, I really do like hearing kind of from the newbies, the fresh perspective, the ones that are just getting out there. I think it makes it a little bit more real for anyone that's listening that hasn't made the leap yet. So hopefully there was a lot of encouragement in this episode for you. If for some reason you want to, you can connect with them. Just head on down into the show notes, click on any of the links that they provided, connect with them, let them know you heard them on the Rootless Living podcast. And uh, it's just a fun way of us building the community as we all get to follow and hang out with each other on social media. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living over on Instagram, we're going to share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.